0: Today on Writers Get Animated, you will be hearing a lot of bad John Lovett's impressions as today we talk about The Critic. It stinks. See, there's the first one.
1: Listen to my
0: podcast. Listen to my podcast. And it's Listen just going to my get, just gonna get worse from here. Stay tuned.
1: Good day and welcome to Writers Get Animated. I'm Mackenzie Worrell impersonating John Lovitz on our podcast about storytelling and animation.
0: And I'm Chris Leva. That was not a John Lovitz impression. That was just me using a weird voice for some reason. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: Today we are talking about
1: um, our favorite forgotten gem, um, which has been lost to the sea of time in a from the pre-internet world. The critic.
0: Yes. From the '90s, not just the '90s, like '92. I know we're uprooting it and bringing it back. This is from George Bush one. Yeah, it was not even Clinton. It's an amazing, amazing TV series. It was the first TV series struck. Well, the first animated series struck down before it could reach its full potential by Fox.
1: To be fair, Fox picked it up after it was struck down before it could reach its full potential the first time on ABC. Which is true. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> And then after that, it came back into the 2000s as a web cartoon. We
0: keep coming back? <laughs> that was a bad John Lovitz impression.
1: That, that was. I yeah. think it's all going to be bad. You don't even need to preface it. It's just they're all bad.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: But just say that was a John Lovitz impression. Just so we know who you were trying to impersonate.
0: Yeah. I, my, my impressions are terrible. Um, apparently my Tim Curry is Frankenfurter. According to my wife, sounds like Christopher Walken doing an impression of Frank Underwood from House of Cards on Netflix. Wow. Struck me to my core. So, not going to do that not, anymore. Okay. But John Lovett, the critic, I'm going to hold you to it.
1: <laughs> uh, So The Critic, I feel like it's an interesting show because it's not quite a Simpsons knockoff and it's not quite a family guy prototype. It's kind of between the two in terms of its narrative... palette? Taste palette? (laughs) It's a narrative taste palette. Um, It has cutaways, but they're all in the context of the show because Jay Sherman is a New York film critic um, who seems to only review bad movies. And The Critic is a show that imagines a far-off distant world where there's a Jurassic Park 2, among other things. Right. And they're all terrible. The Velociraptor has an evil villain monologue about in a British accent, about learning how to use door handles.
0: He reviews a lot of sequels. I mean, let's face it. The, the, one of the episodes that we'll talk about a little bit more has a sequel to Interview with the Vampire. Which is itself a knockoff <laughs> of risky business and rain man. so <laughs> they they go really uh, they go triple level with their with their jokes. They usually will take it to a obscene sense of absurdity, not obscene in terms of adult obscenity, but in terms of they just take it so far level that you're like, yeah. What are we even watching anymore? Like the joke just goes so far into left field. Um, It's a
1: dystopian Hollywood is what it is. It's a dystopian Hollywood future.
0: And in a lot of ways, it's a Hollywood we live in right now. Let's be real. It really
1: is. It was
0: so accurate. I I think in a lot of ways, it's very much in the world of a 30 rock prototype Mm -hmm. in terms of grounded in reality somehow where your characters are mostly realistic, but then sometimes they will get in these random crazy things and cutaway jokes. And I feel like the structure of the critic feels more like a Tina Fey property.
1: (laughs) Oh, if Tina Fey resurrected this.
0: (gasps) And there we go sharing the same brain. I was going to say, if Tina Fey were to come, (laughs) come, come in and resurrect the critic.
1: I'm thinking Liz Sherman.
0: So I think that um, in a lot of ways, the Critic is more of a prototype for things like 30 Rock, um, Bojack Horseman. Mm-hmm. So Definitely Bojack. If you took Bojack Horseman and 30 Rock and married it together, you get a little bit of an idea of The Critic before it's I time. Should.
1: This would be a great crossover for Bojack also if the Jay Sherman were on Bojack as a film critic that gave Bojack a poor movie review. He's the only one who doesn't like Secretariat.
0: He's already designed like an owl. Or a penguin Mm -hmm. of some kind.
1: Or he could just be a human.
0: Or he could be just a human that looks like Jay Sherman, that looks like John Lovitz.
1: Yeah. BoJack people, if you're listening, you're welcome. (laughs) Yeah, welcome. You could put in generic 90s song again and have Jay Sherman show up to that.
0: (laughs) It writes itself. In this case, it certainly does. It certainly (laughs) does. We haven't used that one in a while. (laughs) Uh So let's talk a little bit about where the critic comes from. So it's not Mm -hmm. quite from The Simpsons, but it came from. The showrunners of The Simpsons.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Al Jean and Mike Reese. Reese? Rice? I think it's Rice. Rice? Mike Rice. Al Jean and Mike Rice. Um, Essentially, ABC said, you know what's really popular right now? The Simpsons. What if we had a version of that? Um, Okay, that's a great idea. Who are we going to get to make that? The people who make The Simpsons. <laughs> and so you wind up with these two shows in the same vein. Um, and so when ABC canceled it after the first season, it was a natural fit for Fox to pick it up. And there are two Simpsons episodes with Jay Sherman in them. He does crossover. It's before the days of Futurama crossovers. No,
0: I believe there's only one crossover. Just one? There's just one. John Lovett's.
1: He's in an insane asylum later in a throwaway.
0: Oh, I guess there is that throwaway. I wouldn't I wasn't counting that one. I was counting where his actual character. Actually, no, yeah. there's another there's another one which has there's another appearance of Jay Sherman in there where all the John Lovett's voice characters are at Mo's or something and they all turn yes. around and go Yes <laughs> Like like something like that. I believe there is that moment. We'll have to look that up and <laughs> post that in the show notes. <laughs> the different appearances. But uh-huh. John Lovitz, who is already voicing uh Simpsons characters, Artie Ziff. Mm-hmm. So he was already a part of The Simpsons, so it felt natural to have John Lovitz voiceless character. But it's a very much um if The Simpsons is about a family, the critic is more about an individual. Mm-hmm. And a you know, in his broken As, as, quote unquote, broken American family, where he's a single father raising his son, trying to do the best thing, owing tons of alimony to his wife, who has constructed a billboard that's continually counting the amount of alimony (laughs) he owes her.
1: Outside of his apartment window.
0: Which is a wonderful sight gag. (laughs) Yeah. Jay
1: owes me this much money. Ding, 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 ding. ding, ding, ding. (laughs)
0: Um I think it's great
1: also because Jay Sherman has objectively he has the American dream. If you're just looking at his life from the outside, he has rich wealthy parents, his dad's a former governor of New York. Um he has a job at seeing hobnobbing with Hollywood movie stars. His best friend is an Australian action movie star.
0: Like um I think they were doing and now we would consider Hugh Jackman. Like he would be like, best friends with Hugh Jackman. Like, that's that he kind is, of character. It's a Hugh
1: Jackman prototype. But it's, it's before Hugh Jackman, Hugh Jackman
0: was Hugh Jackman. It's this this character, which I think they were going for possibly more of a Mel Gibson-y kind of yeah. character. But, definitely Mel Gibson. but it feels more like Hugh Jackman. Now, like watching The Critic now, it feels like Jay Sherman is best friends with Hugh Jackman of the late 90s.
1: And part of our discussion today is going to be about how the show is painfully accurate, even 25 years later, but also about the jokes that are, like, shockingly jarring now. Like, it's, it's partly jarring. If you haven't watched The Critic before, it opens with a bunch of shots of the animated Two Towers in New York. You're like, oh, this is an old show. Like, that's your immediate first thought. Right. Like, oh, that's strange. Oh, the, okay. Okay, this is happening.
0: Actually, that's what um, my wife's first reaction, I put in the disc, um, because it's only available on disc. You can't find it online in terms of Netflix or Hulu or iTunes Um, right now. A lot of them are on YouTube. Well, sure, but I'm saying... They haven't
1: been taken down. The the places to
0: purchase The Critic. Um, So I popped in the disc, and um, her first reaction was, wow, this is old. (laughs) that's That's the first statement, not... Oh, I remember this. It's, wow, this is old. So, so exactly what <laughs> yeah. you're saying, case in point, like, oh, this is old. Um, but it has that wonderful um, opening theme song by Hans Zimmer, of all people, mm-hmm. uh, which is minus, it, it doesn't have any of the um, 2000s Hans Zimmer um, yeah. cues that he normally would be known for later on, but... This and 2000s Hans Zimmer had a baby and did the theme for Madagascar. Mm-hmm. So, there we are. <laughs> so, it's a very fun, very fun opening, but very dark humor. It's very much at the expense of its main character. They don't take their main character very seriously. Every, every time they can insult their main character, they will. Um, whether it's for a really complicated joke, or whether it's for just a simple um, joke at his weight, you know, mm-hmm. um, or him just being a lame person. Anytime they can uh-huh. do that, they will. Yeah. <laughs> they will immediately.
1: <clears throat> immediately. And yeah. His stomach kind of evolves into a character over time. His stomach gets a voice and it's a throw off way a couple times. It's just.
0: I think it's a, in a, the same way that Homer's stomach talks in sometimes, but a little bit more. It doesn't sound like Jade talking. It's it, it, it's John Lovitz doing like a doing a different yeah. voice as though R-r-r-r-r-r-r. you know that was a bad like stomach. Feed me, Jay. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's more like feed me, Jay. <laughs> so it's it takes the the family and the job and. Hollywood and tries to be a lot of different things and takes a more adult look at a world because even though Simpsons we would consider it not for children Mm -hmm. I would definitely consider it not for children Um, even though I watched it
1: since I was a child (laughs) episode two onward
0: oh I know didn't we all (laughs) all we children who were children in the 90s all Uh, we children all we children I wanted to be careful because I didn't want to date myself as older than you by a lot. Um,
1: and yet you said it.
0: I know. I know. I just love also, irony lot, too much. I know. Like, a lot. Not a lot. Enough. It's enough. Okay. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> um, the critic takes that and goes one step further To in no way being having things that would be funny to children, yeah, like there is nothing in the critic that anyone younger than let's say seven or eight would find Mm. funny.
1: Mm. I don't know, I think the Easter Island kid at the
0: UN school, okay, the Easter Island kid at the UN school might be funny. And there, there are a couple jokes in later episodes, different episodes, where um, it's just really, really low-hanging low, low hanging fruit uh, in terms of comedy. But most of the jokes are higher-level jokes. Yeah. So you're, you're going to have to bring something to it, a different maturity. And I think one of the episodes that we chose, we have two episodes we're going to talk about. Um, One is Season 1, Episode 2, Miserable. And the other is Season 2, Episode 8, All the Duke's Men. And All the Mm -hmm. Duke's Men, that one is all just high-level joke. And it's... Spoilers. So topical. (laughs) Everything is relevant.
1: Actually... Except for one thing in there.
0: Actually, yeah. All the Duke's Men, I think, uh, should be playing now. I think we should Um, be watching that right now.
1: I'm going to share it with... Everyone, I can just because I forgot about this episode. Do you want to talk about that one first?
0: Well, should we? Because the Let's first one to... kind of sets up the world a little bit more. Okay, okay. Let's do
1: miserable first.
0: Should we? Yeah. Okay. Let's do season one, episode two, miserable. I think that's a bit better place to start than jumping to season two and talking about character changes and everything that way. Okay. If we talk okay. about the foundation part of the show. Okay. No. Yes. No, go on, go on. I'm, I'm listening. I'm wrapped with attention. Uh, I was going to say, why don't you start?
1: <laughs> oh, okay. Um, so, Miserable. Part of what I love about The Critic also is while it's a show about a film critic who hates formulaic movie plots, a lot of the episode plots are rip-offs of movies. So, Miserable is, of course, a reference to Misery. Yes, and the generic plot is Jay is watching yet another bad film premiere, and he sees the projectionist staring at him from the booth, and they start to have this torrid love affair, and then she kidnaps him because she's obsessed with him, um, and it's the plot of misery.
0: For being, I would say this for being a film critic, there is an awful lot of Jay Sherman merchandise that she has somehow gotten her hand on. (laughs) I don't know how much merchandise there is for most film critics out there, but I would venture to guess that that is an obscene amount for somebody who has, who does a live show. Because this show I is always somehow live, which I don't it's, it's understand. It's partly like
1: Roger Ebert is what it's supposed to be, I think.
0: I know, but where are you going to get your Roger Ebert dolls and plates um, and other know. stuff? I don't know. I'm asking. Videotape
1: rewinder? Ahem! Ahem. <laughs> Um, But this episode starts with a great setup of the world that Jay lives in and what Jay wants. It's spring, and um, he's lamenting the fact that he doesn't have a love in his life. And he leaves his apartment, and he sees these two impossibly beautiful people call a taxi and kind of fight over the cab and go, My God, you're beautiful. Let's get married. And they get in the cab to go get married, and the cab immediately hits the cab in front of it. And the two stereotypical looking New York taxi cab drivers get out and start yelling at each other and go, my God, you're beautiful. Let's go get married.
0: <laughs> so we're already learning about how they tell their jokes and tell their stories in that one yeah. moment. That mm-hmm. It's not going to be just the simple joke. It's going to be the simple joke and then spun into something a little bit more complicated. Yeah. I, I enjoy the complication of the, the joke. I always, the joke is told twice and the second time is a little bit more funnier because it's a little bit heightened.
1: It tells, even when it's not a movie parody, it tells like the movie version of a thing and then makes it the Jay Sherman world version of a thing.
0: Right. Which is usually Mm -hmm. darker and sometimes just uh, um, a little bit more real sometimes. But then sometimes it just takes it. And I think this is more of a season two thing, which will talk about but it just takes it outlandish because hey we're a cartoon so why can't we do this yeah remember we're a cartoon Some (laughs) sometimes they have to remind us of that hey this is a cartoon
1: (laughs) Mm, okay uh where do oh man um i guess speaking of this episode we of course have jay stalker who falls in love with him Right, Um, But we, as an audience, also fall in love with Jay. So what makes Jay so lovable?
0: I think it's his his earnestness. We see that he has an intellect. He's obviously smart. But the fact that he doesn't win at anything makes him a little bit more lovable. And I think a lot of it comes from John Lovitz's performance because... John Lovitz can be the most obnoxious character, but somehow make us like him, Mm -hmm. you know, in in Saturday night live, um, a lot of his things where he's playing, you know, the, the crazy actor, you know, acting, you know, where we essentially Calculon prototype, um, (laughs)
1: <laughs> literal prototype <of> exactly
0: <laughs> where we get that this amazing acting and you know or the person who's you know the yeah that's the ticket guy or the liar he we plays these characters that would with anyone else performing them would be throwaway obnoxious people but somehow there's this winking that's done mm-hmm. low down where You can tell that the character's aware of how low they actually are. But Mm -hmm. they're putting on so much, you know, that it's... (laughs) That you're able to love them. They want so much. Exactly.
1: They they want it so bad. And you know that they can never have it.
0: There's something earnest about everything, you know. Yeah. As evil as as he tries to be. Like when John Lovitz Mm. was in a short cameo in the producer's movie, you know... Starring Nathan Lane and Matthew Broderick, and he was this the boss at the bank, and he's trying to do stuff. It's like, oh, John Lovitz, I love you. You know, he's like ah, doing his John Lovitz thing, and it's it's like it's hard for John Lovitz to be a villain Mm -hmm. because he's so like I don't know what it is. You just want to hug him.
1: You just I think the best example is when he gets back. You mentioned he gets back to the stalker's place, and there's this wonderful three sixty five. I'm sorry, 360 view of the apartment, covered in J. Sherman merchandise. And his reaction is just, I can tell you're obsessed with me. I like that in a
0: woman. Right. He's just like, <laughs> anyone else would be totally creeped out by this. But he's just so hurting to be loved that you've taken love too far. And I appreciate <laughs> that you love me. Just the fact mm-hmm. that you love me. I don't care how much. Actually, I like how much. Because this just shows... How deeply you love me which sets up the joke at the very very end
1: i was thinking about that and he goes on a second date with the
0: stalker after being rescued from her house (laughs) i didn't think you would be you know it's like "Ah." then they just laugh about this you know and laugh about the time that they had together where she locked him up i brought you some
1: wine oh thanks
0: uh (laughs) because she poisons him with the wine and then it comes back later on, just this. But it's a sweet moment where you just see somebody who just wants the simple, I just want to be loved. Just somebody love me. And in so many cases, he's not. Um, the hard part about season one is it sets up that his life is so difficult that he's not going to win mm. at anything that I can see where that could be a put off in terms of mm-hmm. how long are we going to have to struggle with is Jay going to find love? You know, how long are we going to struggle with Jay and his weight or Jay and being made fun of? How long is this sustainable as a joke? And an early 90s TV exec world, not very long.
1: <laughs> because he got In canceled. modern day Netflix BoJack Horseman world, forever. And be critically acclaimed. So to speak. Well, actually, so to speak. I mean, critic. Because oh. the show, yeah. the critic. You were just making a pun where there wasn't a pun. <laughs> my favorite bit from this episode, it's something that I I quote and it come, comes back in waves. And this is one of my 25-year-old cartoon references that no one knows. And now you'll have to know, is one of the things that merchandise... In the house that they find is like this this bookstore cardboard cutout of jay sherman um advertising his book and it's one of those talking ones that moves so like the arm moves and it's waving a book and the talking part is it just goes buy my book buy my book buy my book and it's a pivotal plot point in this episode because he uses it to um escape from his stalker Cause it's clapper activated. So he claps and it hits her on the head with buy my book and knocks her out. Mm-hmm. And so occasionally I will say buy my book exactly like that, or listen
0: to my podcast. And now you'll know. <laughs> <laughs> and now we will know. Mm-hmm. This is probably one of the most famous lines from the show. Also. And it's, it's a throwaway. It's not my favorite joke in the critic. Um, no, my favorite joke, I think, is also in season one. I think it's like episode nine or something. I can't remember which episode it is. It's um, A Little Deb Will Do You. It's in that episode.
1: Is it the penguin one?
0: No, no, no. It's the joke about the, the gloves. and the. Oh, I don't know this one. The dress. So part of the story is Jay's sister, Margot, um, is becoming a debutante and she's having the debutante ball and has to be a part of it um, and is forced into it because of their place in society. They're rich and they should be at this ball. So she gets into the dress and the dressmaker's like, now I have to ask, are you able to wear virginal white? (laughs) Because we also have this color, which is hussy white, which is a little more off-white. (laughs) <laughs> and he's like, Can you wear virginal white? And she says, Yes. Except the gloves. <laughs> and that's my favorite critic joke.
1: It's my favorite
0: because <laughs> there's the the human look where she looks off screen slightly and kinda like looks down, not at anybody, and just says, Except the gloves. But not the gloves. <laughs> and then later on her dress is, you know, it's white except for the gloves and the sleeves and some other things. <laughs> so It's just a a fun little joke that you have to be of a certain age to Mm -hmm. get. And if you do get it, you just laugh a little bit harder. You know, just feel good that you know it.
1: I think the best critic joke is, does not have an age limit on it. Um, It's all sister to Jay's family, the penguins that I mentioned. Um, Jay's parents are on this kind of rickety flame, rickety flame, rickety plane flying on vacation. And his dad's kind of like, cuckoo to begin with. Um, And so it cuts to them, and his mom says like, oh, can you ask the pilot to like, maybe fly a little bit smoother? They're the only people on this plane. It's clearly not a very good plane. And so his dad goes up to the front and goes to the cockpit. And he is trying to talk to the pilot. He goes, oh, pilot, and he opens the door. He goes, our pilot's a penguin, and he's been drinking. And the penguin has like a glass of whiskey in front of him. And he's like, okay, well, I guess we're going to get there. And then he goes to back, go back to his seat. And he stops and goes, Wait a minute. Penguins can't fly. Penguins can't fly. And the plane immediately drops out of the sky.
0: <laughs> it's somebody, except for Wiley e. Coyote, making the realization about how the real world works. <laughs> yeah. And then causing course, the downfall.
1: A penguin. And he's been drinking. <laughs> um,. Although I think, other than by my book being a throwaway, I think the topical joke in Miserable is um, his best friend is going to rescue him and says, but I need a gun. And so he just goes on the streets of New York to a literal gun vending machine and gets a gun. And behind him standing in line, they pan away as he runs off to go rescue his friend. Is a Ku Klux Klan member, a little kid. Uh, There's like a whole bunch of people standing in line for this gun vending machine. Like, oh, that's so... That's still accurate. (laughs) twenty five years later,
0: and I think that those are the kind of jokes that probably killed the critic, yeah. so to speak, I think they didn't realize <laughs> how adult and topical things would be, and I think that's what just was I thought you guys were going to make this funny,
1: yeah, <laughs> and then, <laughs> like it it's funny, but now it's more sad because like, oh, this is still
0: a problem <laughs> they're, they're just you know they, they see the the joke of making the movie parodies, and then they're just adding and peppering and all this other social commentary. And I think the social commentary is possibly what was way before its time in terms of the critic being able to do. I think now the critic would be, you know, would hit every note and be just the perfect thing for us right now. Um, I don't know what that's a good segue for. I think that this is a good segue for (laughs) season two. Episode 8, All the Duke's Men. So Um, what's going on in this? Go ahead.
1: We'll talk about season two in a second, but the general plot to preface this for All the Duke's Men. um, Jay's, um, there's a main character who's Jay's boss. And so Jay's um, billionaire New York boss decides he's going to run for president. I think you see where we're going with this. (laughs) Why this might be somewhat (laughs) topical now. Might be relevant if you are listening to this podcast a year from when we first aired. Hopefully, it's no longer relevant. <laughs> Go on. Uh, so obviously, this is it. Rings it rings a little bit true with um, a certain person running for the presidential uh, office right now under the Republican Party ticket. And there are a couple throwaway lines in here that I think really speak to that. Um, they tell him at one point, the average Joe doesn't make three hundred grand. And someone interrupts, can I have my advance and my 300 grand? Like they think, like, it's very Lucille Bluth. Like, it's a banana. What does it cost? $10? It's like, in the 90s, their impression of someone making middle class was 300 grand as a salary.
0: And I I do appreciate the other jokes. Uh, You wrote down exactly the ones that I thought of. (laughs) Where It's like, yes, but can he be trusted with nuclear weapons? We trust him with the ones he has now.
1: <laughs> and it's that joke itself is like done. There's no pause for you to get it. You just have to
0: keep going at the conversation. So like three lines later, you're like, oh, that's dark. <laughs> and also the one it's like, you're doing great, except with women.
1: Do they vote?
0: And this the anger of, yes, we vote. What about the Irish? <laughs> yeah, they vote too. <laughs> Whoa, we're going to have to change those posters. <laughs> it's like these ideas of just, I, and I think that's where season two goes a little bit further into, yes, they make the joke about women. Whoa, do mm-hmm. they vote? And then it goes to the Irish. <laughs> and then it goes one step further with the poster, which is essentially a leprechaun being kicked by, by Duke. So it's yeah. so it's like this they go it's like a three-step joke. We'll make the social commentary of a man thinking that women can't vote. Sure. Mm-hmm. That's that's a that's a good joke. But then further about what about the Irish which is just this random <laughs> old you know
1: old-fashioned racism from 1900.
0: And then you go to oh well we have to like they went through and made these posters about you know get out of here Irish so it's, it's just this all these jokes building, which um, at the same time parallel in this story, the reason why um, it becomes part of uh, Jay being involved is Jay has helped his son, Marty, run for student class president at the UN school where he attends. Um, and he's written this speech just saying, like, I'm the regular kid, you know, and... Mm-hmm. Uh, he does it in several different languages. So it starts in Spanish, and then it goes into an African dialect with click tongue clicks and other stuff, which would, I kind of...
1: It was the early 90s. We could get away with more racism then. Yeah, I
0: kind of was like, oh. And then it went to... <laughs> the next joke it went to after that was Klingons. <laughs> so it it just it took the three-level joke from, okay, we'll do it in Spanish, and then we'll take it into a little further and do this African language, and then we'll do it into Klingon with actual Klingon children who beam out and beam in at different, different times <laughs> throughout the episode. So like I was saying, it's, they just take it that one step further
1: mm-hmm.
0: where I think the Simpsons might've stopped at the one joke of terms of doing it with um, taking it the one step to the African dialect even Family Guy, I think now would stop at the African dialect and not mm. go forward to the Klingon. In defense of The Simpsons, I think the best Simpsons episodes
1: do go that one step further with the war games. It's my first day in English and Russian, and then <laughs> turns to the boat of penguins and says, To translate, it's my first day. Quack, quack, quack. <laughs> You're right. Same setup. Same sense. The best
0: Simpsons episodes do, do go do that, that third step. Yeah. It's that the third, third step, heat, if you will. The tri oven. We, we remember that we are uh, a cartoon joke. Mm-hmm. We can do anything. Let's have Klingon children. Although, um, oddly, Klingons were more topical
1: in the 90s. Um, but um, I think the one joke that really jarred me in this episode is they do a princess die joke. And this is five years before Princess Diana's death?
0: Four years. Which what it was 95 this episode? This is like 93. 93. Princess um, so Diana was 97, so about four yeah. years. Yeah,
1: and like I saw them like, oh, it's gonna be about Oh, she's dead. Oh, she's alive when they made this. Oh, okay. And like that was kind of shocking to me. It's like um Oh, there's something else I was watching and they make like, I forget what show it was, but there was like a Cosby joke about how he's so lovable. I'm like, Oh, that's not funny anymore.
0: (laughs) That's the hard part about, and, and this is just goes to storytelling in general, then of telling a story that is so solidly based on what's happening topically right now. If you're being that specific about the specific world that you're doing right now, It becomes stuck in that, especially if you make comments on those, Mm -hmm. you almost have to tell it as if you were past that part. Yeah. Otherwise, suddenly now you're, you know, you'd be dating yourself. The one thing I think, sorry, go ahead.
1: Oh, I I was just saying, I think the more generic themes and jokes in the show have stood the test of time and in fact, been a little bit too accurate in predicting (laughs) what today's world is like. Um, But the more specific things like the princess die have not held up as
0: well. Right. And it's a little bit difficult. And I think that's one thing that Futurama is able to get away with being set in the future. They can both comment on something now, but then also get away with, Hey, we take place in the future and people's heads can be in jars and we can do whatever we want. So they Mm -hmm. have a little bit of flexibility with that. And then other Mm -hmm. places when we're doing fantasy worlds where, you know, we don't have to be based on specific celebrities. And I think part of the critic is we're so grounded with celebrities and personalities of that time, you know, the different vice presidents and all the Duke's men show up and we get to meet, Mm -hmm. you know, Al Gore and Bob Dole and, you know, (laughs) We we get to see these as personalities, and because that's part of them grounding their world in some way, to be able to leap off and make their crazy jokes. But they ground it so so deeply.
1: And some of those are, I think, still work even. They do in another ten years. They may not work, but I think Al Gore would
0: still work. Yeah,
1: I think people would just be confused because they think only Al Gore of the year two thousand and not nineteen ninety two.
0: Right. Which is a little bit difficult.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, do you do you have any favorite things from these episodes? Uh, from these episodes, I have two
1: favorite things. Okay. From miserable, the it opens with the Jay's radio alarm clock dating the show um, goes off and says, "It's spring, the season of love." And it says, like, roll over to the one you love and tell him you're thankful you're here. And, like, Jay rolls over in bed and puts his arm around a box of pizza and says, Ah, you're still here. And, like, that's perfect. And in miserable, um, Jay's son's float catches on fire and goes into the theater containing Cats the Musical. <laughs> and Jay just turns the camera and says, And nothing of value was lost. <laughs>
0: Uh that that also is my favorite
1: moment. <laughs> and nothing of value and was lost. And nothing of
0: value was lost. <laughs> Even then they knew. They knew in ninety-three. And cats is back as of now, so cats is yeah. back. Some musicals nine lives, sadly. <laughs> yes.
1: Cats <laughs> um, live on. Unlike the critic. Aww. Oh.
0: Which I didn't realize there were webisodes that's how far yeah. like it'd gone. There's
1: a third season. If you get the DVD collection, one of the bonus features is the third season. I'm using air quotes here cuz they were like 10 4-minute episodes, so it's like one episode of TV. And it skips 8 years into the future pop culture jokes. Like he's interviewing Pikachu and it's also weird because it is from the year 2000. And so this is like a model for a canceled show coming back on the, via internet. the internet and streaming. But it's already a sixteen year old prototype reference. <laughs> well. All worth it. Ken Stamp for Approval. Right as good animated stamp for approval. Oh, I'm sorry, McKenzie stamp for approval. Whatever name I
0: use. <laughs> All right. So go watch the critic. Again, you can find it um, on disc. Currently mm-hmm. on Amazon, less than thirteen dollars. For the Mm -hmm. whole complete series. I think it's worth it. Please buy it. Buy their DVD. Buy their DVD.
1: Buy their DVD. On the next installment of Animated with Writers and Getting, we are talking about References Shakespearean. Shakespeare references in cartoons so please watch gargoyles season 2 episode 13 high noon as well as the simpsons season 13 episode 14 tales from the public domain and come prepared with your best shakespeare references and animation uh, so you can barrage us with them on the internet afterward
0: as always thank you to nigel cutino our engineer and thank you to jacob reed for our music
1: and find us on the web on twitter at wganimated um via tumblr for all of our show notes and i guess it's not really a lot of links on this one because it's so old but writers and on face- facebook facebook.com slash wganimated rate us on itunes right, rate us on, on itunes, iTunes.
0: <laughs> good night everybody